I'm Kate Morthland, and thank you for joining us on The Council Covers It, a podcast created by the Illinois Life and Health Insurance Council. Insurance is paramount to the health and wellness of Illinois employers, citizens, and families alike. While critical, the world of insurance can also be daunting and difficult to comprehend. We seek to create understanding by wading through that confusion presented with life and health insurance policies and topics in Illinois. Join us as we dive into some of the state's most pressing insurance issues on The Council Covers It. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of The Council Covers It. This is a podcast dedicated to all things insurance, explained in a simple and digestible way. I'm your host, Kate Morthland, and today we will be talking about InsurTech with our special guest and expert, J.P. Weiske. So to give everyone a flavor of this episode, and J.P. are going to do a much better job than me, but I feel we kind of have to reference the DeLorean a little bit because we're going to go back to the future. So InsureTech, in its fundamental sense, is the movement of technology-driven disruption um, across the insurance ecosystem that transforms the way we share and manage risk. So it's basically the, the future of insurance. And like I said today, JP is going to share and discuss with us what it is and its implications on the insurance industry. So to introduce you, JP, JP joined Horizon Government Affairs as Vice President of State Affairs in January of 2019. He was previously the Deputy Insurance Commissioner for the state of Wisconsin, where he supervised the regulatory, public information, and administrative functions of the Office of the Commissioner of Insurance. Weiske also served on Governor Scott Walker's Opioid Task Force and served as an active member of the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, where he chaired various subgroups, including the Regulatory Framework Task Force and the Healthcare Reform Alternatives Working Group. So as Vice President of State Affairs, JP leads Horizon Government Affairs continued expansion into state policy. He's enhancing access to state legislators, regulators, and executives while leveraging his more than 25 years of industry experience to drive smarter state policy reforms. And finally, (laughs) he also serves as the executive director of the Health Benefits Institute, which champions and advocates for empowered, educated consumers who enjoy the greatest number of healthcare options available. JP, that is quite a resume. How are you today, sir? I'm good. Thank you. Perfect. All right, JP. So just to broadly start explaining, what is InsurTech? I mean, look, it's, it's, I think you explained it at the top, uh, and it's basically an effort to use technology to advance risk, to advance your customer relationships, to essentially make insurance more accessible, uh, more affordable and better for consumers. I mean, like functionally, that's really where it's going. Mm-hmm. You're able to dial in the risk and be more accurate. You're able to process claims more quickly. You're able to provide your customers with more data more quickly and be able to respond to them faster. So if I was a, 
um, someone listening to this podcast and I had no idea about insurance, it's safe to say that insure tech is kind of more, more so a process than a product, right? Right. And, and you can define it a lot of, a lot of different ways if you want to, if you want to narrow it down. But if you think about the way banking has changed, the same thing is happening with, with insurance. I mean, I was going through, I was cleaning out some house, uh, the house and we found a check from about 20 years ago. And I had forgotten that you have to never cashed. And, uh, you know, of course you had to go in physically into the bank to cash mm-hmm. the check and you had to be mailed a check to get it. And, you know, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. It's all, all put right into your account. The same sort of relationships are going to start happening with insurance increasingly, making it much easier for people to interact insurance-wise. Oh, I can definitely remember. I I can't remember the last time I went to the bank and cash a check. I always put it in the little app with the pictures right. on it. So yeah. right, exactly. So when we're thinking about insure tech, what does it do, one, for insurance companies, but as a consumer, what does it do for the consumer as well? I know you mentioned that it's making processes easier, but how does that help both the industry as well as the consumer? Yeah, I think from an insurance company standpoint, there's a there's a couple of big factors. Um, if you're a small insurance company and you haven't sort of digitized yet, mm-hmm. there's a great opportunity inside the development of insure tech to sort of jump line for lack of a better term. And the idea is is that you can use these new processes to get better and advance your technology in ways that you you wouldn't think of before, that you might be able to digitize your 1870s era data if Mm -hmm. you you still have that sitting in paper. Um, On top of that, you have a better handle of what's going on in your business on a day-to-day basis. You understand where the claims are coming from, what the costs are, being able to move more forward more quickly, understanding where the risks and the risk relationships are, and being mm-hmm. able to price more accurately based on, on appropriate levels of risk. For a consumer, on the other hand, you know the same sort of things apply. In a lot of cases, you're able to provide uh, new insurance risks and cover more risks than you wouldn't have before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's app on and app off insurance for your devices, for example, that, that can automatically turn on when you walk into an airport. And so you're protected anytime you go into an airport you're, and your phone gets stolen, you're protected to some degree. There's So there's new ways for them to interact. There's new ways for them to buy insurance to make it easier. Mm-hmm. And there's new ways for consumers to be able to access claims, get paid more quickly, and new ways for them to purchase coverage. Great. So it seems to be, especially maybe the pandemic catapulted InsureTech into the future a little bit, but it seems to be exploding in the past year. What are some hurdles that you're seeing with InsureTech that still has to be jumped over? Yeah, there. Are, <clears throat> I think one of the things that we're seeing are some significant regulatory hurdles. Okay. Um, and let me give you an example. We had a, uh, when I was with the department, we had a company come in and this is going to increasingly happen. Mm-hmm. And under the rules, the way they're they're sort of written in Wisconsin, at least, and I think in a number of other states, when you're looking at policy forms, um, there's a requirement that they be filed exactly as the consumer is going to be able to see them, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea is you file these forms, the consumer sees them, they're able to look at it, the regulators able to review it to make sure that the information is accurate. Well, what do you do with a policy form that's entirely online? What do you do with a policy form that has hover over uh, hypertext that gives consumers the ability to jump back to 
the definitions so they can better understand their policies. That's clearly a pro-consumer sort of approach, but being able to sort of exactly deal with that language mm-hmm. is problematic. Similarly, um, a lot of companies are using sort of proprietary processes. There's a company uh, that's looking at life insurance. And instead of actually asking you health questions, they actually have uh, more questions about your knowledge about health. Okay. And they feel that that's a much more accurate way to assess a person's health that functionally, if you understand uh, your relationship to what you should be eating, what sort of size portions there are, that that long term leads to better health, even if you're temporarily in, 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 in less health. If they file every single one of those questions, their proprietary algorithm, it goes out to all of their, all of their competitors, and that creates other problems. So there's a number of regulatory, regulatory barriers that sort of attach. And um, from a technology standpoint, you know, there's, we're, we're slowly moving towards an understanding of what's going on, but there's also a relationship with um, an ability to be able to prove whether or not the risk is appropriate. In other words, um, there's an issue with whether or not this data is correlated or causal. And there's some concern, I think, amongst regulators and should be some concern amongst insurers that as you look at these relationships, as you dial these numbers down, uh, you know, even more with even more specificity, whether or not those relationships hold over time, whether or not consumers change, whether or not those that data is in fact just backwards looking and accurate, or whether it's going to be predicted for the future. So there's a number of potential problems that need to be thought about by a company that can vary uh, from insurance line to insurance line. So it's basically with these massive amounts of data that's coming in, these these companies are utilizing this data to make it simpler for consumers, also um, cost effective for themselves, which also can trickle down to savings to consumers. And what you're saying, I guess, uh, to summarize is, is as these new competitive um you know, processes hit the hit the market, or it, it's difficult to regulate something that's new. Yeah, that's that's right. And, and let me give you a, a really specific example. Okay, we talked to, and this is outside everybody's insurance lines who may be listening, but we talked to a title insurer who was no longer going to research. At least they were, they were researching this. They're trying to decide whether or not they were going to sell the product, but they were no longer going to actually research the individual titles. What they were going to do is they were going to use big data across the country and look at the properties of property that caused title confusion. And based on the attributes of those properties, they were going to underwrite through that without actually underwriting the, the actual title. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 a backward way to, to sort of look at it, to say like, look, all these properties look alike. We had title problems. And so therefore, we're going to rate these differently. And maybe that holds, maybe it doesn't. But they were expecting that that's something that they could do. And they were going to end up saving consumers you know, tens of thousands of dollars, potentially thousands of hundreds of dollars on their on their title insurance and tens of thousands of dollars in the state oh, if wow. it if it holds because the administrative expenses would drop rapidly. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And you know, I, I'd mentioned this and you'd mentioned this. It seems like there even with the hurdles, it, it seems like a great innovative tool for companies in, when we're going to the future of insurance. You know, however, to ensure that furthering of that that uh, continuation, InsureTech needs to be inclusive of the community that it serves. So mm-hmm. what issues does InsureTech have with understanding bias in its implementation of these new um, new processes? 
Yeah, it's it's a really great it's a really great question um, because I think this is going to be increasingly an issue to sort of track, okay. and we're seeing it in a number of uh, a number of ways as people talk about uh, about insurance and insure tech. And what I mean specifically is there's there are negative opportunities um, for things like artificial intelligence and and other uh, other ways to sort of look at data that as a machine learning and as a machine continues to move forward and look at the data and look at the patterns that it increasingly uh, becomes biased towards one community or another mm-hmm. um, and results in, in negative in impacts. On the flip side of it, I think that the good news about it is that you can narrow down some of this information and, um, and, and recheck the data and you have the ability to sort of take some of those biases out, and you have the ability to take some some additional factors that um, that may be traditionally biased against one community or another, mm-hmm. and remove those from your calculation because you get more accurate data to be able to go. And again, it it, it varies um, it varies uh, from from line to line from from the way you're going to look at it. The other issue I think that's really interesting for this going forward for consumers, especially that we haven't talked about, is uh, the ability of you know some insurance lines to be able to align their interests. And this is where the AI comes in and okay. others if they do it right. And, and that is um, aligning the interests of the insurance company with the consumer, right? That's sure. sort of a that's sort of your your holy grail to get it get it moving. And a, an example of that in general is life insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Once a life insurance company writes a a client, you know their interests and the consumer interests are perfectly aligned. They want right. that consumer to live as long as possible, um, and the consumer wants to live as long as possible. They want them to live as healthy as possible, and the consumer wants to live as healthy as possible. So I think um, as we move forward, that's going to be one of the key aspects of of AI and with insure tech is finding ways that consumers and the insurance companies' interests can align. Okay, that's fantastic. So I know you mentioned a little bit about issues that state regulators have with insure tech. Is there anything else that you know that state regulators might have an issue moving forward? I know you mentioned um, accelerated underwriting is a good example of that and how Mm -hmm. we're talking about bias, but do you have any other um, examples of state regulators having issues with with these new processes. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a couple of of issues that state regulators will look at, and, okay. and I think one uh, the first bucket you can fall into financial solvency issues, mm-hmm. right? And right. so a, again, like we talked about with that title insurer or with 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 other lines, you know whether or not the data holds, whether or not this this relationship is in fact true. And whether or not that means that the insurance company is is adequately cap- capitalized to to the risk, so I think that's that's you know sort of the first bucket. Okay. I think the second bucket, when you look at it, is looking at some of the relationships the insurers have and the data, and whether or not um, you know whether or not it's fair to the consumer. So let me give an example, a specific example. I had a couple of companies come to me at one point, and they were looking at uh, at, at life insurance and rating of smokers. Um, it would apply to health, it would apply to others. Okay. And both of them were looking at the same sort of data, the same sort of uh, approach. And both of them said, if a consumer indicated on their application they were a non-smoker, they wanted to look 
at, at the data and see whether or not they were smoker based on uh, social media data and other data that they had access to, right? Mm-hmm. And they took two different approaches. So one of them used an accelerated underwriting approach and said, if we find that that data says that they are a smoker, in fact, um, that we are just going to rate them as a smoker and we're done. Mm-hmm. The other, the other company approached it differently and said, if our data says they're a non-smoker, we're going to rate them as a non-smoker and we're done. If the rate is a smoker, we're going to use our old protocol, which you know requires the, the paramed exam, potentially the, 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 the blood draw and the other pieces that go along with it to prove whether or not they are. Obviously, regulators are going to have concern with social media data, quote unquote, proving somebody who's a smoker without any sort of evidence to go along with it versus the other line, which is allowing the the, the non-smokers through and accelerating the underwriting for those folks. So I think that, you know, I think regulators are going to have to look at this from from different approaches, depending on what the specific issue is. And I think the other thing that the the last sort of bucket is, um, you know, the, the data that insurers are using, I think broadly, Regulators, um, you know, want to be able to understand what data the and have the consumers understand what data is being used and whether or not it, it tracks. And if this data is used to sort of rate them, whether or not the consumer can do anything about um, to change the aspect. So, you know, again, going back to our smoker, non-smoker, being able to quit smoking would be one. But if there are other factors that maybe cause a rate to increase that they can't change maybe that's a problematic data approach that they don't want uh, they don't want insurers to use. And that's still being developed as a matter of policy. So it's just difficult to standardize these types of things whenever they're so new and they're different companies might be doing different things. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're, we're sort of at, we're sort of at the precipice of data, right? So, yeah. you know, increasingly we're seeing more and more data available on individual consumers, on individual companies, on the way they interact online, on you know, your ability to sort of be able to track driving records and be able to pull that data. You can always pull that, but you can track you know, even more data. If you're looking at you know, cars, you have an ability to sort of track an individual's driving mm-hmm. um, in ways that you couldn't before. Um, and so there's, there's more and more data that is, is being built up in an individual file. And so you know, there's going to be questions about who owns that data, yep. whether or not that data is valid, um, whether or not that data can be hacked, whether or not you know, you know what data that a insurer gets is proprietary and can't be passed on to the next insurer, all that stuff are going to be issues that are going to have to be sort of uh, discussed over time. And in an age whenever we're hooked up to everything at all times, I everyone has an Apple Watch or a Fitbit or a you know something. That's that's right. And, and the other piece of this, I think, when you look at it too, right, is is that data can also lead to sort of positive results for the consumer. Mm-hmm. That even if you're collecting it, that there's a possibility, especially in life and health, of looking at that data on a comprehensive basis and being able to, um, and again, if your interests are aligned, even if they're not, being able to sort of extend the life, find problems before the consumer finds those problems. Um, you know, all those sort of sort of things will continue to exist. We talked to one life insurer at one point that wanted to offer uh, for their high value customers a free genetic test that they would receive no information for. They, you know, had firewalls sort of set up because they wanted to, those folks to be able to have genetic counseling if they had a specific problem that showed up in that genetic test. Oh, wow. Um, now, that's something that would be unheard of before, right? They'd want to use that for underwriting mm-hmm. or something else. 
But again, with those high dollar, uh, high dollar policies, they sort of have a vested interest in the consumer. And then they were going to offer genetic counseling as a service on top of it. I mean, it's a fascinating new world um, in looking at risk. And the number of touches that a insurance company can have on a consumer and positive touches on a monthly basis is going to change. It's no longer just that bill that's coming every month. It's going to be more than that. Um, and it'll be more of a relationship. Wow. So where do you, th- InsurTech is the future of insurance, but where do you see InsurTech going in the future? Yeah, I mean, it's really, I, I think it's a really interesting world. I mean, I think if you're looking at, um, you know, if you're looking at auto insurance, um, you know, the ability to be able to control people's driving and sort of move their driving, there are apps that insurers are starting to use to encourage you to use uh, safer routes yeah. um, from a driving perspective. Uh, from a life insurance perspective, there's certainly efforts to sort of find some ways that you can interact with your customers and get them more healthy. Uh, health insurance, um, there are some bars to what health insurance can do with, with the ACA and mm-hmm. with data and data sharing and other pieces. But, um, you know, eventually you've got to think that all the data that we're getting from the Fitbits, the Apple Watches, uh, being linked into a relationship as health insurers are spending more and more on their relationship with doctors, that they're going to be able to better manage an individual's health and manage the care. And it's sort of the opposite of managed care in the, the 1990s, right? So it's it's trying to get consumers to get certain care rather than sort of the gatekeeper model that you were looking at before. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for, for success going forward. And to be able to make it better for consumers, I think, um, you know, better interactions for consumers, cheaper. I think that the, the potential risk for consumers, though, to flip this, flip this around as well, mm-hmm. is there's increasing segmentation in the risk, right? And especially right. In, in, um, in auto insurance, and I expect to see it, that we'll see it in, in, in life insurance. You can't really underwrite in health, except with, with, with ERISA plans. But, um, you know, there are, there are discussions about 100,000 plus rate filings with all these factors. And, you know, insurance companies are going to have to figure out how deep into that data they're going to go. And does it actually make a dis- difference from a, from a real risk standpoint? You know, it's sort of like the um, it's sort of like the airlines looking at the number of peanuts in a bag. Right. How many <laughs> right. They, how many peanuts should they have in that bag? I mean, if you cut it in half, you're going to save a lot of money, but are you going to have a lot of dissatisfied, uh, dissatisfied <laughs> right. customers? Do, do airlines still give out peanuts? I can't remember. That. <laughs> it went from 20 peanuts to zero peanuts. Right. Um, <laughs> so, JP, do you have any final remarks for our listeners today regarding insure tech and innovation in the future? No, we're doing, you know, what we didn't mention up front is uh, doing some work with the American Insure Tech Council, which is a which is a new group. And I think we see a lot of opportunity for growth um, through AITC to be able to um, you know, grow the industry and for insurance companies and consumers to you know, better have their interests aligned, right? So yeah. Yeah. Well, great. I just want to thank you again for being on and kind of discussing this because it is a complex, but it's a very exciting, very innovative um, segment in our industry. And it's it's not going anywhere. And and quite the opposite. It's going to grow and grow and grow once we keep um, gathering data. Um, so I just want to thank you for your time today. If anyone wants to get a hold of you or ask you any questions or talk all things InsureTech, where can they reach you? Uh, JP Weiske at horizondc.com. 
All right, sounds good. So for Illic, remember us to remember to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Our, our Twitter handle is I L underscore L H I C in order to stay up to date on all things life and health insurance. Also, subscribe to the council covers it so you won't miss another excellent episode such as this one. And lastly, check out our website at www.illic.com. And thank you, JP. Thank you so much. I hope we see you next time on The Council Covers It. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to subscribe and rate the podcast in order to stay up to date on episodes as we explore various life and health insurance policies and topics in Illinois. We hope you join us again on The Council Covers It.